Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Too much. Too much. The world is just too much with us. I don't know whether it's the horrific dangers threatening Western civilization or just my own my own aches and pains. Anyway, all these uh threats, these clouds, I think. Well, uh, of course, we all know that they are personified. Um, you know, the symptom is a DJ Trump. You know, that man who lost the popular vote in 1916 is a presidential race. He lost the popular vote. Damn! Damn! I just want to say it is not nice to terrify old ladies like me. Keep us awake at all hours. Hours pillow pulled over our heads so we don't hear the news wringing our hands over all these historical, uh, what do you call them, previews. I call them previews, warnings, deja vu all over again. That's what it comes from being old, you think. Been there, done that. As somebody said, history doesn't repeat itself. It just rhymes. Yeah, not sure I buy that. I'm used to me that what I'm seeing looks a lot like the Weimar Republic in between the German, uh, well, Germany and Berlin, in between the two great wars. Uh, if you remember Cassandra, that mad Trojan princess, uh, Cassandra is the one who tried to tell her people. Now, that has become archetype, I guess. Cassandra, the the woman who tells what's coming and nobody believes her. Uh, I think they're beginning to believe, yes, the sky will fall. Fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. Going to be a bumpy ride. It's Trumpy time, bumpy Trumpy. Who can bear to talk about it? Just just hang on, hang on, and hope democracy, yes, will survive. Hope is the rope we hang ourselves from, I always say. Anyway, democracy, gotta hang on a little longer. Of course, our form of democracy is actually a republic. We have a representative democracy. We send the boys and girls to a legislature, which is 
one of three branches of government, send a little uh, note, a little uh, <laughs> civics book to Donald Trump. I'm sure everyone uh, with brains has done that already. What a joke. We have these three branches, executive, legislature, judicial. You know, one to make the laws, one to carry out the laws, one to interpret the laws. Anyway, any eighth grade civics class can tell you this. I remember coaching my little eighth graders. They got such good grades on their, grades on their civics test, it confused the, the programmers because most of the time the kids would strike off some question and say, oh, no, don't bother with that. That will be taken care of by an executive order. Uh, rather than the legislature. And that was in 1967. Oh, cease, cease, as we said in the 1950s. Cease, cease, sit you down. Cease all this idle chatter. Ah, work, work for community, what we used to call togetherness. That was back in the 50s, yes. Togetherness. That was the name of the game. Anyway, I just can't take it anymore, this lurch to the right. Uh, <laughs> our defenses, our defenses are up. They're out there. <laughs> there's a couple of, well, in Congress, there's this wonderful, wonderful woman, Ms. Cortez, only 29 years of age, if you're a school teacher, I uh, think recently I have talked on these waves about Ms. Cortez. Uh, if you're a school teacher, you can copy out the article in, would you believe, <laughs> April the First Time magazine has a profile. She got her picture on the cover. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Her office is on Capitol Hall. She can't run for president for years and years, and she says she's looking forward to 2025, that we must look forward a decade or so, or at least a generation. She says that's what she's working for. Now, she's the one that I was waiting for, she and others like her with her, uh, what do you call that, uh, green, green party politics. That's it. I hear, see, I read it here in Time magazine. Uh, her red lipstick has sold out. You see, now we know where she's popular. Uh, signature red lipstick, Beso by Stella, B-E-S-O by S-T-I-L-A, Stella. Okay. <laughs> anyway. She has become the Wonder Woman of the left, the Wicked Witch of the right. Uh, second most talked about politician in America, that is, after the, well, the so-called President of the United States. Uh, anyway, she's been in Congress representing New York's 14th District since the last election. She's a former bartender. She is pressuring 2020 presidential candidates into supporting her Green New Deal. She made campaign finance reform go viral. 
Anyway, there's a long list of her accomplishments, her achievements. Uh, anyway, it says here that her Twitter following has climbed from about 49,000 last summer to more than three and a half million. Thousands of people tune in to watch her make black bean soup on the air. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. She's relating on a personal angle. That's what I'm trying to get through to you. Uh, if you think your students might be interested in this woman, uh, the biography of this classy wench is in Time magazine dated April the 1st, 2019. Copy it out, give it to the kids and say, this is the one we've been waiting for, and we are hoping that she's the beginning of a trend. Well, anyway, uh, I'm looking here at the article. It's got all this funny stuff about a lot of actors, former actors who've gotten involved. I love it. Oh, uh, well, I don't want to refer to Reagan, but we all know that the place to go to practice to be a great politician is the stage. There are all these uh, parallels. Uh, what is it? Uh, here is a quote. It says, theater done well is politics. Politics done poorly is theater. Well, tell me about it. Every time Donald Trump takes to the stump, I... I just cringe. I I guess, as I just said, it's more than I can handle. I got to leave it to the the young and the <laughs> the wise, not the restless. Uh I've got a whole bunch of things about the moral imperatives, long, long lists. Apparently apparently truth and beauty are still dating folks, still out there. Uh the traditional emphasis on civility and compromise. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, well, anyway, she says, she rolls her eyes and she said, there are always these folks that will say, oh, you're, you're not wrong, but, you know, they avoid disagreeing with you, but also they can stall you as much as possible to actually prevent the thing from happening. Anyway, it says here that in the future she's going to help deliver Medicare for All and the Green New Deal. She may not be able to do it in two years, <laughs> but she says, I used to be much more cynical about how much was up against us. I think I've changed my mind because I think that change is a lot closer than we think. Well, God bless her. Goddess, goddess bless her. Let us hope that she's absolutely, absolutely right. I'm going to start a, <laughs> a three-part reading of the great, late Samuel Beckett. He's my, uh, what do you call that, uh, my role model? No, no, no. That would be that would be much too presumptuous. Uh, I think of Sam as the mother 
of my thoughts. I think of Gertrude Stein as the father of my thoughts. Uh, Their language, Stein's English, and Samuel Beckett's English, he translates from the French, uh, does his own translating. Uh, These two people are the, they have been the, the right and the left arm. They've been, well, actually, I got my master's degrees in those folks, so I'm not going to rattle on about how how significant they are, how they are the great American, the great American heritage. Uh, a lot of people think that Samuel Beckett is gloomy. I, for one, find that Sam Beckett is the one, <laughs> the one, the one who, what is the word for that, uh, cheers me up, cheers me up the most. Uh, I've got a few minutes to start my series on Sam Beckett, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna warn you that I plan to read Sam, oh, for a long time until I've, what do you call that, uh, squeezed him dry. His, his work, uh, I collage his work. Uh, I'm sure it's against the law. I go usually from Malone dies to Murphy. I like in particular. Bits and pieces put together by an actor called Jack McGowan. Put it together years ago on PBS. Uh, <laughs> it was a wonderful. I videoed it. It's, it's a what you call that? Uh, a rag and bone man out in the desert. He's banging his head against two great stones. One represents his mother. The other represents his father. And he he pulls himself up out of the sand and pulls at the wires. He's surrounded with rags. Yes, the rag and bone man. Jack McGowan, he's deceased now, but uh, his widow is still alive. Uh, never mind. The biography of Samuel Beckett is a story for another day. I just want to start Sam Beckett so that people will be uh, forewarned of what it's going to be like. The first section is from Malone Dies. I call it beginning to end. That's what today is, beginning to end. From Malone Dies by Samuel Beckett. I shall soon be quite dead at last, in spite of all. Perhaps next month, then it will be the month of April or of May, of June, the year is still young. A thousand little signs tell me so. Though perhaps I am wrong. Perhaps I shall survive St. John the Baptist's day, even the 14th of July, a festival of (laughs) freedom. Indeed, I would not put it past me to pant on to the transfiguration, not to speak of the assumption, but I do not think so. I do not think I am wrong in saying that these rejoicings will take place 
in my absence this year. I have that feeling I've had it now for some days, and I credit it. I could die today if I wished, merely by making a little effort. But it's just as well to let myself die quietly, without rushing things. Of course, I still have my little fits of impatience from time to time. I must be on my guard against them for the next fortnight or for three weeks. But without exaggeration, to be sure, quietly crying and laughing without working myself up into a state. Ah, ah, I shall be natural at last. I shall suffer more than less without drawing any conclusions. I shall pay less heed to myself. I shall be neither hot nor cold any more. I shall be tepid. I shall die tepid without enthusiasm. I shall not watch myself die. That would spoil everything. <laughs> Have I watched myself live? Have I ever complained? Then why rejoice now? I am content necessarily, but not to the point of clapping my hands. I am satisfied. There, I am repaid. I have enough. I need nothing, nothing more. Let me say, before I go any further, that I forgive nobody. I wish them all an atrocious life, and then the fires and ice of hell, and in the inexorable generations to come, an honored name. Ah, oh, enough, enough for this evening. Oh, I usen't to need anyone, just to myself. Stories. There, there was a great one about an old fellow called Bolt, and I never finished it. I never finish any of them. I never finished anything. Everything always went on forever. Stories, stories, years and years of stories. Till the need, the need came on me for someone to be with me. Anyone, a stranger. Years of that, and then now for someone who knew me in the old days, a stranger to be with me. Imagine he hears me. What 
I am now. <laughs> Father? Father? Father, you wouldn't know me now. You'd be sorry you ever had me. <laughs> but you were that already. Oh, wash out. That's the last I heard from you. Ah, wash out. Are you coming for a dip? No, no, come on, come on. No, no, glare, stomp to door, turn, glare, a washout. That's all you are, a washout. Again, again. Slam life shut like that. Washout. Wish to Christ she had. My mother, my mother never refused to see me, that is. She never refused to receive me, for it was many a long days since she'd seen anything at all. I shall try and speak calmly. We were so old, she and I. She had had me so young that we were like a couple of old cronies, sexless, unrelated, with the same memories, the same rancors, the same expectations. She never called me son. Fortunately, I couldn't have borne it. But Dan... I don't know why my name is not Dan. Dan was my father's name, perhaps. Perhaps she took me for my father. I took her for my mother, and she took me for my father. Dan, do you remember the day I saved the swallow? Dan, do you remember the day you buried the ring? Oh, I remembered, I remembered, I mean, I knew more or less what she was talking about. And if I wasn't always involved personally in the scene she evoked, it was just as if I had. I called her Mag. Well, I had to call her something. And I called her Mag, because for me, without my knowing why, the letter G abolished the syllable ma, and as it were, spat on it, better than any other letter could have done. At the same time, I acknowledged a deep and doubtless unacknowledged need the need to have a, a ma that is a mother and to proclaim it audibly. For before you say mag, mag, you say ma inevitably and da in my part of the world means father. What the hell? Besides, for me, the question did not arise at the period I am worming into now. I mean, the question of 
whether as to call her Magma or the Countess Kaka, she having for countless years been as deaf as a post. Oh, she knew it was me by my smell, <laughs> her shrunken, hairy old face lit up. She was happy to smell me. She jabbered away with her rattling dentures, and most of the time didn't realize what she was saying anyone but myself would have been lost in this clattering gabble which could only have stopped during her brief instances of unconsciousness. In any case, I didn't come to listen to her. I got into communication with her by knocking on her skull. One knock meant yes. Two, no. Three, I don't know. Four, money. Five, goodbye. Now, I, I was hard put to ram this code into her ruined and frantic understanding, but ah, 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 I, I did it in the end. That she should confuse. Yes, no, I don't know, and goodbye. That was all the same to me. I confused them myself. But that she should associate the fornocks with anything but money was something to be avoided at all costs. During the period of training, therefore, at the same time as I administered the four knocks on the skull, I stuck a banknote under her nose or in her mouth. <laughs> in the innocence of my heart, yes, for she seemed to have lost, if not absolutely all notion of mensuration, at least the faculty of counting beyond two. It was too far for her, yes. The distance was too great from one to four. By the time she came to the fourth knock, she imagined she was still at the second, the first two having been obliterated from her memory as completely as if they had never been felt. Oh, she must have thought I was saying no to her all the time, wherein nothing was further from my purpose. Ah, enlightened then by these considerations, I looked for and finally found a more effective means of putting the idea of money into her head. This consisted in replacing the four knocks of the index knuckle by one or more, according to my needs, thumps of the fist on her skull. That she understood. In any case, I didn't come for the money. I took her money, but I, I didn't come for that. My mother... I don't think too harshly of her.
poems from Samuel Beckett in one of his collections. Yes. <laughs> They're under a heading I have here. Quote from Sam called, An Irishman's Brain is Only His Imagination. Here are some of the short poems. Again the last ebb. The dead shingle. The turning then the steps. Towards the lighted towel. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Until next time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. The 21st Annual Healdsburg Jazz Festival will take place May 31st through June 9th with an explosive Jazz to Force lineup. The festival starts with three days celebrating the 50th anniversary of ECM Records with three trailblazing shows including Ralph Towner with Paul McCandless, Dijonette, Coltrane Garrison, a double bill with the Carla Blay Trio with Steve Swallow and Andy Shepard, and the Ethan Iverson-Mark Turner duo. The second week features the amazing double bill of the Joey DeFrancesco Trio with Billy Hart and the Regina Carter Quintet. Jenny Scheinman and Allison Miller's Parlor Game, Harold Lopez Nusa's Quartet with Miguel Gonzalez, and the debut of Tunisian artist Dafer Youssef's Quartet. The new Jazz Village will feature live music daily from 3 to 5 p.m. For more information, visit Healdsburg Jazz Festival.